uh, preach out of Isaiah chapter 55. Isaiah 55, the passage that, uh, that Steve read for me this morning, and uh, is, is part of the message, uh, part of our text. I titled the message this morning, The Time is Now. The Time is Now. And we see some things in this chapter that, uh, obviously, we do not have time to go through this extensively this morning, but what a precious chapter. I'm going to read the entire chapter, all of 55. It's 13 verses. Um, and then we, I want to look at three points this morning. The invitation in verse 1 through 3, and then the instructions that are given and then the indwelling, uh, finally, uh, walking with God. We looked at it in Sunday school this morning, walking, walk in Him. Colossians chapter 2, verse 6. As you have therefore received Him, uh, received Christ, so walk ye in Him. What a precious verse that is. Um, and uh, so we, we see what God does in our lives uh, in this chapter as well. So read with me, if you would, verse 1 through, verse, through the chapter of chapter 55 of Isaiah Ho, everyone that thirsteth, come ye to the waters, and he that hath no money, come ye, buy and eat. Yea, come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Wherefore do ye spend money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which satisfieth not? Hearken diligently unto me, and eat ye that which is good, and let your soul delight itself in fatness. Incline your ear and come unto me. Hear, and your soul shall live, and I will make an everlasting covenant with you, even the sure mercies of David. Behold, I have given him for a witness to the people, a leader and a commander to the people. Behold, thou shalt call a nation that thou knowest not, and nations that knew not thee shall run unto thee because of the Lord thy God, and for the Holy One of Israel, for he hath glorified thee. Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way, and, let the, and the unrighteous man his thoughts, and let him return unto the Lord, and he will have mercy upon him, and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain cometh down, and the snow from heaven, and returneth not thither, but watereth the earth, and maketh it bring forth and bud, and it, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereunto I sent it. For ye shall go out with joy and be led forth with peace. The mountains and the hills shall break forth before you into singing, and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Instead of the thorns shall come up the fir tree, and instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle tree, and it shall be to the Lord for a name, for an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. The time is now. Draw ye, call ye upon the Lord while he is near. Uh, I want to look at those three points, or this chapter this morning, with these three points in mind. The invitation, the instruction, and the indwelling. Let's pray. Father, thank you for our time again. Lord, what a, what a joy it is to be together and to see each one. Father, I, I just ask that, uh, that as we uh, look into your word this morning, that your, your spirit would be given free reign. Lord, that there would be no resistance. Father, that we would set the cares of this side, the world aside, that we would set our pride aside, most of all, this morning. Humble ourselves before you today and accept your word as it is 
the, the perfect word of God. And Lord, apply it to our hearts. We'll praise you for all that's done. In Christ's name we pray, amen. So we see in verse 1 through 3 the, an invitation. And I, I wanted to th- stop and look at one thing that's said in verse 3 to begin with, to, to kind of start. He says, I will make an, in the last part of the verse, I will make an everlasting covenant unto you, or with you, even the sure mercies of David. That, that statement kind of stuck upon me, stuck with me this, this week. The sure mercies of David. What is that? I don't trust in David, right? It's Jesus Christ. And the sure mercies of David is, is Christ and Him crucified. David being uh, in the lineage and, and the promise that, that greater things were coming. God was going to show us new life. He was going to give us grace and, and He was going to give us the gospel. And so that is my interpretation of the sure mercies of David. It's just the gospel that Christ died and rose again, paid our sin debt. So we can see here, I will make an everlasting covenant with you. What is that? That I love you, that I want to be with you, that I'm drawing you to myself. So the invitation, I want to look at two things about it. First of all, the first three words of the chapter. He says, ho, everyone. Everyone. It's to all of us. This invitation, he that thirsteth. You know what? It's everyone. Without Christ, your thirst is never satisfied. What did Jesus tell the woman at the well? I'll give you water that satisfies. That is, that is everlasting. You'll never thirst again. Ho to everyone, all of us. 2 Peter chapter 3. 2 Peter chapter 3. And <clears throat> I, I know the Lord brings this to my mind because I have to be reminded constantly. In my flesh, I have to be reminded over and over and over that every person I come to is that everyone. They all, God has a desire to have a relationship with every individual that we come in contact with. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9 says, The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, but as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward. And I know I come back to this verse all the time, but if you would think about this, not willing that any should perish. God's will is not for one single individual to perish. You know, the, the international villain right now is Putin, right? We see him as this great war criminal. And, and I believe that's true. Um, I don't trust everything the media says. I, I don't know what to think about all of that. I feel for the people of Ukraine. I feel for them. And, and I'm certainly not taking up for Russia this morning. Please don't get me wrong. I believe what they're doing is absolutely awful. We, just, we don't know the whole story. I, I believe that's true. I look at Putin and I see this man who is lost. Can we look at it that way? God is not willing that that person perish. The one that we view as this great murderer and villain in the world today. And I believe he is. But he's no more a sinner than you were before Christ saved your soul. Before he dressed you in his robes of righteousness, your sins were just as vile to God. Can we see everyone through this this whole everyone that thirsteth? That individual that, that... at your job site just drives you crazy is a constant thorn in your side 
And, you know, if you're walking with God, there will be those in the world that will just goad you, that will try, that will try and try and try to get at you. Why? Because they're children of darkness and they hate the light. Because they're thirsty and they don't know what they're thirsting for. Everyone, it says, God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Every single individual that has ever walked the face of this earth, God loves unconditionally. So everyone, the invitation is to all, and and we know that. But I wonder if we live that way every time. I, I don't live that way every day. I know it's absolutely true. I do not believe God created any single individual to perish and go to hell. The Bible says so. Not willing that any. But I can walk through life and ignore those around me that are dying and going to hell. So it's everyone. I I need to be faithful and constant in my my mindset and, and in my compassion to those around me. It says... Ho, everyone that thirsteth. And I was, I was just looking. Here's the invitation in this chapter. Everyone that thirsteth. Everyone that has a need. This morning, if you have a need, if there's a void in your life, you're the one that's thirsty. And the Bible says, listen up. This is for you. God is, is, is drawing you to Himself. The things of this life will never satisfy. We can, we can see it in Ecclesiastes. <clears throat> chapter 1 we're going to read 1 through 11 all is vanity all is vanity in this life if anybody knew it it was Solomon the man was the richest man that's ever lived the Bible says, or he said, I've never, if there was something that my soul wanted, I didn't keep it from myself. He said, I, I got it. Everything that he ever desired in his flesh, he had available to him. Amazing to me to think about the wealth that, that Solomon had amassed, the power that that man had, the influence that he had. And this is his summation of his life, those things of this earth. This is what he says about it. The words of the preacher, the son of David, king of Israel. Vanity of vanities, saith the preacher. Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. What profit hath a man of all his labor, which he taketh under the sun? One generation passeth away, and another generation cometh. But the earth abideth forever. The sun also ariseth, and the sun goeth down, and hasteth to the place where, where he arose. The wind goeth through the south, and turneth about unto the north. It whirleth about continually, and the wind returneth again according to his circuits. All the rivers run into the sea, yet the sea is not full. Unto the place from whence the rivers come, hither they return again. All things are full of labor. Man cannot utter it. The eyes are not satisfied with seeing, nor the ears filled with hearing. The thing that hath been, it is that which shall be, and that which is done is that which shall be, do- which shall be done. And there is no new thing under the sun. Is there anything whereof it may be said, See, this is new. It hath already of, it have been already of old, which was before us. There is no remembrance of former things, neither shall there be any remembrance of things which are to come with those that shall come after. He, he paints a pretty bleak picture here. As you read this, it's amazing. Vanity of vanities, emptiness of emptiness. Nothing of nothing. He said, that's what life is. All of these things that we do, all of our labor, 
if I'm just living this life throughout, what difference does it make? What difference does it make? You're going to come to the end of all your labor and you're going to die and the next generation's not even going to remember you. The work that you've done, what difference does it make? All of your life, empty. That's what Solomon said after he saw all of it. He, he, he had every, every pleasure this life could afford. And he says it's just emptiness. He came to the end of all and he was still thirsty. He said the eye is not satisfied, nor the ear filled with hearing. He said you can never get enough. You're always going to be just looking for more. You're going to have a desire and emptiness within you. And that's what, this, that's what we see in Isaiah chapter 55. Ho, everyone that thirsteth. You know what? Live your life and, and make a million bucks. Make a billion dollars. Be Bill Gates. At the end, you're going to die and it's all going to rot. It's just emptiness. It'll never satisfy I think it was Rockefeller. I don't remember which one of the, the really rich people back in the day, but when he died, they asked him what was the one thing he wanted. One more dollar. One more dollar. He didn't have enough. He, ha- he was the richest man on the face of the world. The, he had everything that he could ever want. What did he want? More. So it's vanity. Everyone that thirsteth, it's, it's those that were, are without Christ. Ho, everyone, all of you that thirsteth, says, come to the waters. He that hath no money, come, buy, eat. Yea, come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Verse 3, incline your ear and come unto me. Hear, and it says in this, and your soul shall live. There will be satisfaction. When the soul is alive, that's when we have satisfaction. But it's got to be made alive. Come unto me and hear, and your soul shall live, and I will make an everlasting covenant with you. Even the sure mercies of David, I will redeem you, I will keep you, I will make you mine. So the invitation is to all, and to those who thirst, which is all of us. We have to understand the need. When you come to know the Lord, it is, it is a point in your life when you realize you have a need. Mine was 13. Sitting in church, and Pastor Gregory was preaching, I was sitting probably as far on the end of that second pew as I could get. My dad would sit right there and our family was in the second pew. I was sitting there and he was preaching about having a relationship with God. I'd been so-called saved and baptized twice by then. I had made a false profession twice and had been, had been dunked in the tank. It was all empty and I knew it. And I'm sitting there, and I knew that I had never had a relationship with God. And I knew that I'd never understood satisfaction. I'd never knew peace. At 13, the Holy Spirit was speaking to my heart and telling me, this is you. Your sin is an affront to God. And I turned to Him. And He he redeemed my soul. And I praise Him for it. He said, Incline your ear and come unto me. It's, it's just a simple invitation. Come unto me. Now, there's some instructions given with this in, in, in invitation. Verse 7 of our text says, Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts, and let him return unto the Lord, 
and he will have mercy upon him, and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. There's some repentance necessary. There's repentance necessary. There's, there's those that teach today that repentance is works. Repentance is not works. Repentance is understanding the need. There has to be an acknowledgement of it. You have to understand where you are. That my sin is an affront to a holy, perfect God. And that I can never have access with it. I can never enter into His presence with sin. Moses, when he saw the burning bush, God says, take your shoes off. The ground you're standing on is holy ground. He said, he said there's got to be some reverence and some, and some uh, purity there when we're in the presence of God. So repentance is necessary. If you've never accepted that you are a sinner and, and, and forsaken that life and said, Lord, I'm sorry. <laughs> it comes down to a, to a rejection of that life we've been living. Now go with me to chapter 53 of Isaiah. I'm going to read all 12 verses of this chapter too. Who hath believed our report, and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, and as a root out of a dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness, and when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. Despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. We hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. He was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. That verse right there says that your sin is an offense to God. The, the chastisement of our peace was upon him. That means that if I'm going to have peace with God, there has to be a reckoning. That there's chastisement for sin, it has to be corrected. Now Jesus took it on the cross. Took it upon him in the Garden of Gethsemane and bore it to the cross. And, and died and, and was buried and three days later rose victorious over that sin. So you have to see that, that that sin in your life has done this to Christ. He's wounded for my transgression. Put that in there. He was bruised for my iniquity. The chastisement of my peace was upon Him. And with His stripes, I am healed. That's repentance. It's an acknowledgement of my sin. We're, all we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to His own way. The Lord hath laid on Him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shears is dumb, so he opened not, openeth not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment, and who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living, for the transgression of my people was he stricken. And he made his grave with the wicked, with the rich in his death, because he hath done no violence, neither was any deceit in his mouth. Verse 10 is such an amazing verse to me. I have a hard time reading this verse. I don't understand this verse. I accept this verse. Please don't get me wrong. It is absolute truth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. 
He hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Yet it pleased the Lord to do this to his son. Jesus willingly died. It pleased him to take my sin. I don't understand that. But I know it's true. He, he said, Ryan Ricker is a sinner on his way to hell. And it is my pleasure to take his sin. It is my joy to take his sin to the cross. Now you can put your name in there too. It pleased the Lord to do this. He shall see the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. God looked down and watched Christ die upon that cross and take the penalty of our sin and he was satisfied. That's when Jesus said, it is finished. It's done. Salvation's work is complete. The sacrifice that was necessary has been made. Therefore, will I divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he hath poured out his soul unto death, and he was numbered with the transgressors, and he bare the sin of many, and made intercession for the transgressors. Christ died for you, for that sin that separates between you and God. He took the penalty on that cross, was willingly laid down. All he says is, is rejected. Verse 7 says, let the wicked forsake his way. That's what he's telling you. If, if you don't know the Lord is your Savior, forsake that old life. The unrighteous man his thoughts and return unto the Lord. The prodigal son said it as he sat there eating with the hogs. The lowest possible position for a Jewish man. Nothing more degrading than to be eating with the hogs, those unclean animals. He's looking upon what they're eating and digging through their food, and he stops and says, boy, the servants in my father's house have food to eat. He came to the end of himself, and he ran back. And what's to say? The father saw him on down the road, was watching for him, and embraced him. It's the same for the lost. If you will look to the Lord, he's waiting. He's looking down the road. He says, just come to me. Forsake your ways. Forsake those wicked thoughts and return unto the Lord. And it says he will have mercy upon him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. What an awesome statement that mean, that is. Abundantly a pardon. Above and beyond. Pardon your sins. So repent and surrender. Surrender. Go with me to John chapter 3. I was looking at this passage and, uh, and I see surrender here. I, if you look at, through the Word of God, surrender is necessary in the life to follow the Lord, to walk by faith. But in this passage, we, just, we see the surrender of our will to the will of God. This passage talks about the wicked man not, not wanting to have his deeds shown to him. You know what? If we will accept it, if we'll surrender to the Lord, when He shows us our, our wickedness, 
will accept it. We, we will submit to his leading. Verse 15, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. This is the condemnation, that light is come into the world, and men loved darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest, that they are wrought in God. Now, the one that comes to the light is surrendered. I've been, I've been fixing my bedroom. Uh, I told you the twins call it the broken room. We're, so I'm fixing the broken room in the house. And it's, it's a slow process. When I can fit it in, I work in there. And I was, I was working in there this week, and, and, uh, and I got some new lights hung yesterday. We put a new fan, and I put some, some recessed lights above the bed, and, and I put an LED light in the closet. And as soon as I turned them on, I'm like, oh. Because it's beautiful, but it shows the little, the little flaws in my sheetrock. It, it's, it's too much light all of a sudden. All of a sudden, I see that my work was not perfect. Where I thought I had things pretty nice, I'm like, mm, it's not as good as I was hoping. That's what light does. It shows us those things. It shows us the flaws in our life. And Christian, if, we don't, if we're not surrendered, we're going to shut off the light. Because I don't want it shining in my heart. If there's something in there that I want to hang on to, shut off the light. I don't want to see it. I don't want your word to illuminate those things in my life that are wrong. It's why the, it's why the sinner runs from the light. Because they want to be in denial. They want to say that they're okay. The light shines in and shows us the error. The submissive person will turn the light on. The submissive person will open the Word of God and let that light shine in and show who it is. The command is to be submissive. You know what? When the light shines, you're going to have to do some cleaning. When the light turns on, the dust that's there is illuminated. The, the, the dirt in the corner, you're going to see it. The problems are going to be very evident. So it takes surrender to turn the light on. It takes surrender to be okay with God showing you what needs changed in your life. Do you believe He's God? Do you believe He's perfect and holy? Then turn the light on. Because every bit of that cleaning is good. Every bit of that cleaning is necessary. Psalms chapter 51, verse 17. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. O God, thou wilt not despise. He's not looking for earthly sacrifices. You know what? We're, we're, we're commanded to give to the work of God. We're commanded to, to support missions and, and to give willingly, the Bible says. But that's not what God's looking for in your life. He doesn't need your money. 
He doesn't need your abilities. He doesn't need your strength. Those sacrifices are not necessary for God. Not your time. Now, He will use those things, and He will allow you to serve Him with those things, but the sacrifice is a broken and contrite heart. That God will not despise. It's surrender. It's it's a willingness to accept whatever God tells us and and to walk with Him in in that way. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. O God, thou thou will not despise. What's he say about the proud? The proud. He despises the proud. The Bible says he hates pride. Surrender to him. This, this instruction, the invitation is to all. Those that are thirsty, come to me and repent and surrender. Give your heart and soul to me. And I will bless you. The indwelling in verse 11 back in our text. <clears throat> This verse, we, we, we apply it to witnessing, and it's right. You can apply it to witnessing. I praise the Lord that His Word does not return void, that it is going to work in that individual's heart for the rest of their life, whether they surrender or not. I, I believe firmly on the Word of God that when you give someone the Gospel, they will never forget it. They can reject it, but they will never forget it, and they will be accountable for that when they die. But Christian, it is also in us. So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me a void, but it shall accomplish that which I please. And think about this, and it shall prosper in that thing whereunto I sent it. What is that thing? He didn't give his word to the earth. That thing is you and me. It will prosper in that thing whereunto I sent it. His word was written for you. And it will prosper in your life. Dwell on that a little bit. That will bless your soul. That God gave his perfect word for you. To accomplish in your life those things which he desires. And it's not going to return void. It's not going to lose its power. That he's working in your life. So that indwelling in him of the Holy Spirit in your life at salvation is this constant working in your life. Whereunto you sin it. It's going to accomplish those things. It shall prosper in that thing. It's going to be successful in that thing. I kind of sat and thought about that for quite a while this week. The last two weeks. That he sent his word just for me. To prosper in me. It's not going to return void. Like I said about the sinner, Christian, you can reject the word of God. You can have pride in your life and not obey. But that word will not return void. It's going to stay there. It's going to work and it's going to work and it's going to work in your life. Go with me to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, verse 9 through 11. I want to look at a few things about walking with God. Romans 8, 9 through 17. We'll point out just a few things as, as that are said here. When, when God is with us, when we're walking with Him, when His Holy Spirit dwells within you, 
Verse 9, But ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. Now that verse says, The Spirit dwells within you, you're Christ. If not, you're not his. The Bible says, Upon salvation the Holy Spirit dwells within you. And hereby do we know that we are disciples. When, we, when my spirit is communing with His, when that fellowship is there, I know that I am His because He's walking with me and talking with me. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of God that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, He that raised up Christ from the dead quicken your mortal bodies by His Spirit that dwelleth in you. First of all, that, that indwelling of the Spirit makes you alive. There's no life without it. Your soul is dead. There's not this little spark of divinity within you that needs fanned so it can light up. No, it's dead. Six feet under, dead as a doornail. That's your spirit. That's your soul without Christ. But when the Holy Spirit moves in, there's a miracle performed that says that you're quickened made alive, all of a sudden there's life we didn't experience before. So we're made alive by the Spirit. Now verse 12 says, Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh. For if we live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Is He leading you this morning? Are you directed by Him? Do you know when, when He's speaking to you? How often does it happen in the middle of the night that you wake up and you're thinking about someone? Or there's something on your heart and you know that the Holy Spirit is directing you to pray for that individual? I don't sleep a lot on Saturday nights. There's just... I, I sleep in snippets. I, I get a little bit of sleep at a time. Because there's things on my heart. There's things that God is speaking to me about. I'm dwelling on the messages that I'm going to preach. And I'm, and I'm looking forward to the day. And I'm communicating with the Holy Spirit. And led by Him. And I love that time. What a precious time that is. He puts burdens on our heart. And we ought to joy in that. Because it's assurance that He's with us, that He's leading us. If you know the Holy Spirit, if He's in your heart, He leads you, He guides you, He gives you direction. That is such a blessing. Verse 15, For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again unto fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Led by the Spirit, we are become a part of the family of God. What a joy that is. We don't call Him, we don't just say the Lord is there, or we don't believe in a God, just in a God, but we believe in a Father. That kind of relationship is now open between me and God. He's Abba Father, it's Father Father, it's this total dependence, and it's a close relationship. An intimate love between Him and I. That is, that is when the Holy Spirit dwells within us. He becomes Abba Father. He becomes more than just the Creator. He's now mine, and I am His. A family of God. We're part of the family of God. And then 
verse 16, the Spirit also beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If so be uh, that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. We are joint heirs with Christ. I have, I've heard this all my life been in church since the day I was born. I've been I've sat under good preaching all of my life. Praise the Lord for the men that my dad had me sitting under and then the opportunity to sit under his preaching for years. That's been an amazing privilege in my life. I've been taught all of my life that I'm an heir of God, that I'm a part of the family of God. I'm joint heirs with Christ. And I don't quite understand it. I don't, think we can, uh, I don't think we can understand the scope of that. We, we will someday. We'll, we'll no longer see through the glass darkly, but face to face. The Bible says we'll be like Him because we'll see Him face to face. We're going to walk with Christ and know Him. But just imagine that you're a joint heir with Christ. We're going to spend eternity with God. Reaping the blessings and the benefits of, of all of heaven, that river that flows from the throne, the, the, the streets of pure gold and the, the trees that are blooming and, and producing different kinds of fruit. But most of all, that presence of God that will never leave us. I'm going to sit at His throne and, and worship Him for all of eternity. I'm a joint heir with Christ because of that indwelling, because He called me, because He said, you that are thirsty, come unto me. Verse 6 back in our text, seek ye the Lord while He may be found. Call upon Him while He is near. Do you know Him as your Savior this morning? I've had several weeks in a row with salvation messages. Last week was such a blessing, wasn't it? And it's because God has a desire to know each and every one of us intimately. To have us be a part of the family of God. To have that spirit dwell within us and guide us and to lead us. He knows everything about you. You can't tell Him anything that He doesn't know. You're not going to surprise Him. You're not going to offend Him. He just says simply, come unto me. Forsake the wicked ways and and forsake the unrighteous thoughts and give me your heart and soul and I will abundantly pardon you. It's a rock solid promise. There's written in the word of God that the Lord has preserved for over 2,000 years. This was written written 4,000 years ago. And it's the same as it was then. He loves, you. he loves you unconditionally this morning. Christian, do we, do we walk through life in full surrender? Do we walk through life looking that every one of them thirsts, is thirsty, thirsteth, needs the gospel, needs to hear the good news, that I can be a light. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. There is a power of God unto salvation. I walk... With the, with the Holy Spirit dwelling within me, and I have the Word of God, the sword, and I have the good news. And with that, I can walk in victory every single day of my life and be fruitful.
But I have to have the mind of Christ. I have to be surrendered to him. I have to have compassion on the lost. Christian, is that your heart this morning? Let's pray. Father, I praise you for your word this morning and the promises in it. Thank you, Lord, for the power of your word, the assurance in your word, and, and Lord, uh, your unconditional love for us, that you, that you wrote this, this perfect book so that I can know you. You wrote this book so that everyone here can know you and walk with you and, and be led by your Spirit. Father, we know that your word will not return void, that it has power. And Lord, we know that you had every one of each individual here this morning for a very specific purpose. You have a message for each one of us. And Lord, help us to surrender to that, to be tender to that, and to apply it to our hearts. Father, if there is one here this morning that doesn't know you as their Savior, has never surrendered fully to you, Father, help them to see their need. Help them to humble themselves today and, and, re, and surrender their life completely to you. Let's all stand with our heads bowed and eyes closed. Time of invitation this morning. I, I don't know.